0: Okay. Hi, Monica. Good to have you on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here, Hardy.
0: So, um, for everyone who doesn't know you, could you please tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Okay. Um, I'm known as a blissful millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, wow, that's kind of an open-ended question. Um, What exactly do you want to know? You want to know my story? Do you want to know my bio? What is it that you want to know? Give,
0: give, give us. Uh, your your bio, the short version. <laughs> you got it.
1: Okay, great, great, great. So um, I'm Monica Sawyer. I'm known as the Blissful Millionaire. Um, I started in real estate when I was 25 with $10,000 and have turned it into multiple millions of dollars over the last many years. Um, and so I've been really inspired to help other people to do the same. And I've It's been really an exciting journey. I've been on television, reaching over 150 million people. I've spoken at um, NASDAQ Marketplace at Carnegie Hall. I've been on the stage with Martha Stewart and Suzanne Somers. So it's been really a wild journey.
0: (laughs) So um, before we talk about, quote unquote, spirituality and real estate and all those different topics, um, could you please share with us, like, how did you get involved in all of this?
1: Yeah. So my journey in real estate started when I was three years old. Um, my parents came to this country as immigrants um, in 1967. That kind of dates me. but <laughs> 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 um, so And they came here with only $200 in their pocket. And they had heard that the golden ticket to wealth in the United States was to buy real estate. So when I was born, with their hearts filled with love and excitement and joy and hope, they started investing in real estate. And um, fast forward 18 years, and they put me through school, my college education through real estate. They did the same for my sisters, and um, they paid for our weddings. So real estate has really been a big part of my life, like I said, since I was three years old. Now, interestingly, when I graduated from college... Um, I graduated during a recession and was kind of freaked out. I wasn't able to find a job. I did not want to ever be dependent on somebody else. I wanted to be able to make it on my own. Um, and even though I had seen what real estate could do for us, uh, the money was amazing. I also saw like where your p-
0: parents like minted or
1: <laughs> they were pretty, they did pretty darn well. Right. Yeah, okay, um. But I had also seen the stress my dad had really suffered through. Like you know, we hear about this in real estate all the time, right? People having problems with tenants, or maintaining properties, or paying the mortgages, or when there's vacancies. There's all
0: rented, or
1: (laughs) they were they did pretty darn well, right?
0: Yeah,
1: okay. Um, but I had also seen the stress my dad had really suffered through. Like, you know, we hear about this in real estate all the time, right? People having problems with tenants or maintaining properties or paying the mortgages or yep. when there's vacancies, there's all that stuff, right? So I had really seen my dad go through a lot of stress and I did not want to go through all that stress. So I did not want to invest in real estate. I kind of was like, no, thank you. I'm going to find a <laughs> Um, and I remember one night I was sitting at the table with my dad um, over dinner and he said something that changed my my life. He said, you know, Monica, everybody has stress and everybody has money issues. Do you want poor people money issues or do you want rich people money issues?
0: Mm. <laughs>
1: well, you can imagine the, the choice that I made that night. <laughs> So so I decided on rich people money issues but Um, I was committed to have a life that was not as stressful. So I was going to do the money without the issues, right? Because I was Mm. 25 and I knew everything. So (laughs) um, anyways, that's how I started my journey in real estate. And I am really, really committed to creating what I call a blissful life. Um, And how am I describing bliss? Bliss is a deep sense of joy and contentment. It's emotional mastery and emotional resilience. So I really wanted to have a really blissful life. And so, over the years, as I've been investing in real estate and learning, I've created a system or systems where I I have a very blissful business. The business is very easy to run. Mm-hmm. Um, it only takes five to ten hours a month. I have very little stress.
0: That sounds like <laughs> like a, it's a perfect dream, right? Working five to ten
1: hours. Yeah, it took some time to get there, right? But now I've got the systems and everything, and so that's what I help people to do. Mm.
0: (laughs) So um working so what happened then? So you were working in real estate and um yeah, so you have been in real estate for two decades now and um yeah, so could you please speak to like what have been the biggest lessons so far? So
1: So first of all, real estate has not been my primary business. Um, I did end up getting a job. I worked in corporate for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So real estate was kind of my side hustle. So the biggest lessons that I've learned is, first of all, really know what your goals are and what your resources are. And so when I talk about that, I mean specifically how much time do you have to dedicate to real estate? For me, I was working in corporate. So, I knew that real estate was my future, but I did not need the cash flow right away. Mm. Um, i And I needed something that was gonna take care of me if I got laid off or anything happened in the corporate, you know in the corporate world, which happens, right? So, but I kind of gave myself a twenty year time frame to build for my retirement, to build for that future. Um, So how much time per week, month, year, but also how many years, right? Also, what were my resources? I knew that if I needed to make real estate my job, the place where I got my cash, it was going to be a much more stressful situation. Mm -hmm. So instead, I got a job And then that gave me the funds to invest in real estate. But there's a a million ways to make money in real estate. That was just the way that I chose. And part of that was because I wanted it to be a blissful experience. Mm. But also because I was building my real estate in the background, I wasn't stressed out about my work like I it kind of balances itself out, right? I knew I was going to be taken care of. So I didn't have to worry about this. So really it's, what are your resources? And I'm also talking about your emotional resources. For me, I didn't want to feel a lot of stress. I, that didn't inspire and motivate me. Some people love that, right? They love the like adrenaline rush, right? Um, but that just wasn't me. So what are your financial resources? What are your time resources? What are your emotional resources? What are your people resources? So knowing those things, knowing your time frame, and knowing your ultimate goal for me I knew real estate was going to retire me and then I had needed to push towards that some Mm. people maybe real estate needs to make cash flow so then you're going to pick a different strategy right
0: yeah and um, looking back on your life so far um, could you please share with us like what have been the worst moments and what have been the best moments
1: Mm. There have been a lot of really, really bad moments. Um, I wrote a book called Choose Bliss, and part of that is because of the incredible trauma that I've suffered. Um, and I really wanted to share people with people how to get, get through trauma. Um, that book is called Choose Bliss. And in there I tell a story about when I was 21, I was in a horrible car accident. And I was a professional dancer up until then and had wanted to become, my big dream was to become a world-class dancer. Very cool. Yeah. And, um, here I was, I got in this car accident. It was my, it was not my fault. I was sitting at a stoplight, got hit by a guy going 50 miles an hour and my legs were crushed. Um, they thought my neck was broken and the doctor told me that I would probably never walk again. And, um, well, How were was, you
0: feeling when the doctor told you this?
1: I was like screaming inside of my head. I mean, yeah. it was just it was it was one of the most horrible moments in my life. And they told me we're gonna have to put you in a wheelchair and um you may not really walk again, and you're never gonna dance, right? Well, I was like, screw that, right?
0: So <laughs> you not- probably <laughs> so you probably yeah you felt terrible right so
1: yeah exactly yeah um, so I refused to go in a chair because I was bound and determined to walk and to dance and so me being the stubborn person that I am um, refused to go in a chair and on the on the negative side the first two years were really really horrible I lost my job my fiance left me. Um, there was a lot of really cause us the
0: accident. I don't hope so.
1: Well, I couldn't walk, I couldn't, um, we couldn't go out on dates. I was cranky because I was in so much pain. So, yeah, I mean, I think the accident had a huge amount to play with it. Um, and you know, in life, things happen for a reason. Um, I'm now married to somebody that I've been married to for 25 years who's the love of my life. So, you know, things work out. right? (laughs) Um, But it was a long, it was a long journey back to walking. I was within two years, I was able to at least stand for about two hours at a time. Um, And then within 10 years, I was walking, well, actually within about eight years, I was walking within 10 years, I had started to dance again. And it was really painful. All of it was really, really painful. But it was a journey worth taking because it taught me about my tenacity. It taught me about what I really wanted in life. It um, taught me about my body and how much we take things for granted. And, you know, in my book, Choose Bliss, I do talk a lot about sort of really just recognizing what you need to be grateful for. The things that we normally take take for granted, like how many of us take our legs for granted. And I just lost mine, you know. Yeah.
0: And I think those crises can um, really change your perspective on life. Like, for instance, I had one major health issue, and um, it was just for a couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, I think it gives you so much more appreciation of life. But Mm -hmm. um, I think the sad thing is, this only lasts for a couple of months and then you get back to your normal state. So <laughs>
1: Possibly, and that's kind of why I wrote this book. Um, hmm. One of the things that I have really noticed is that our happiness is our own responsibility. We can't control what's going on in the world around us, but we can't always control how we choose to respond. And people think, well, you know, I'm happy and I'm done. But happiness or bliss um, or gratitude is kind of like brushing your teeth. You can't just do it once and be done, right? Because then it disappears, like you say, right? Like your teeth will fall out. <laughs> but your, your happiness disappears too, right? But if you make it a daily practice, if it's a focus in your life and you do the things to keep it, then it doesn't disappear like that. And when it does disappear, you have the skills then to bring it back, to live in that place of gratitude, to be able to see the world from that place in your own eyes of wow, this is amazing, you know. So you don't so, have to lose it.
0: <laughs> so, um, could you please share with us like what were a few other things? So, one major event in your life was uh, the car accident, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, what else? And and feel free to also share the best moments and yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So. Um, I'm debating which story to tell. Mm-hmm. Like how much drama do you want? <laughs> uh, as
0: much as possible. <laughs> I think it's entertaining. So <laughs>
1: okay. Okay, great. Um, so about two years after the accident, mm. I still yeah. was in a huge amount of pain. I still wasn't able to walk very much. And I fell into a very deep depression. Um, like I said, it was a 10-year journey back, right? To sort of becoming Monica again. Um, and about two years in. I had fallen into a very, very deep depression. How deep? Well, I was laying in bed one morning and just thinking to myself, I can't, you know, I can't Mm -hmm. do this anymore. So I remember that morning. Actually, I was under... Under my covers, I had been crying for a week. I hadn't been getting out of bed, and I heard my mom's voice in my head, and she said, "Monica, get, get out of bed. Get some air. You'll feel better." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like kicked the covers off, and I swung my legs over the bed, and I went to stand up, and I fell to the ground because my legs wouldn't wouldn't carry me. And then as I sat there on the ground, I could barely move. I just cried. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I prayed. You know, it was that prayer of, God, this, I can't do this. I, you know, I'm, it's too much. So either take me home or teach me how to live. And I cried for about another hour and then the phone rang and I picked it up and it was a girlfriend of mine who I hadn't heard from in about two years. So she kind of didn't know what was going on. A lot of the people had fallen out of my life after the accident because I couldn't go anywhere, you know? Um, French, I was right? <laughs> right, that's right. I was pretty depressing to be around, I'll admit, but, you know. Um, so she, she kind of, she heard my voice and she turned me on to a coach. And um, this coach saved my life. So he reminded me of who I am, of who all of us are. We as babies are born as these babies bundles of joy and bliss and compassion and excitement um, and the joy of being alive. And then as we become, as we grow up, life teaches us that that's not the natural way of being, but that's how we're born, right? And so he taught me that, that my right, my birthright was to be blissful. And then we took a journey together to be, to create my life the way that I wanted it. So, that was a really, really difficult time in my life. But what was the most beautiful thing about that was about two years later, he was like, he was so excited by my success. He hired me to become a coach underneath him. And so I became an executive coach. And so that's when I started getting to like, be out there and share what I had learned with people. And I was dealing with executives. So these were people that were really successful. They had like the huge house. Hold on,
0: second. I was going to tell you about something good. <laughs> Before we continue. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, um, could you please share with us like what happened after the phone call with the coach? Like what were the changes that you've made in your life and so on and so forth? So,
1: mm, okay. Well, the very first thing was to, to he, that he reminded me about the mindset. So what I was just telling you, <laughs> which is we have control over what goes on in our head. We don't have control over circumstances, right? I didn't have control over the fact that I had gotten in this accident, yeah. right? But I had control over how I responded. I didn't have control over the fact that my legs weren't working but did have control over how i responded. And so that was the very first thing. Now this was a long journey, right? But it started with a mind shift that i want to live and i want to live well. So that was the first thing. The next thing is i have control over my mind. And and that's when i really developed most of those bliss practices that i talk about in my book, like staying in gratitude continuing to boost yourself up so that you see the world from these eyes of awe and excitement and the challenge right of what is it that I can do today right mm. so it was most of it was a mind shift change because once that happened I started to get more physical therapy I started to endure more of the pain so that I could do the things that I wanted to do. It wasn't something that was flattening me anymore. It was something that I had to understand and get through because I knew that I would grow. And that growth would take me to the place that I needed to be.
0: Mm.
1: So those were some of the big things that happened after that phone call. And and
0: was it like a gradual change or a sudden change?
1: So that decision happened in a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and this happens for a lot of us. We make a decision and suddenly things change. But the actual physical change, the actual mental change, the strength that I got took over time took time. So that was gradual.
0: Mm-hmm. So um when did you finally recovered in your opinion? Um both I- mentally and physically
1: well physical took a long time i would say physical took about 15 years
0: 15 years yeah a long time
1: it is a long time but mentally i would say that i was back on top of my game in about eight years um and that seems like a long time but that's thank like, you so
0: you, much for for being so honest by the way and sharing your story like um yeah i really appreciate yeah. it
1: sure sure um so being on top of my game is what I consider recovered, but it doesn't mean that it took me eight years to get there. Yeah. I, I felt like I was fully back alive maybe about a year or two years after that first phone call with Ted.
0: Got it. So um, yeah. now please continue with your story. So. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ted hires me on as a coach, right? And now I'm dealing with these really successful people. There's another tip. Right? This is one thing that I learned. Hang out with people that you want to be like. Mm. Don't hang out with people. If you want to be joyful, hang out with joyful people. It does not mean that you don't want to have compassion for people. You know, but you want to be with people that are going to lift you up because you become. I know people have heard this, right? You become like the five, the five closest people that you hang out with the most, that is right? So
0: true. Oh, it
1: true. is true, right? Yeah. So, so that was one of the things. So now I'm hanging out with all these really rich people, right? I mm. thought that rich was the most important thing, and what I realized is that even though I had, they had multi-million dollar companies, they had big multi-million dollar houses, they had great cars, great marriages, beautiful children, you know, cute dogs, right? They had the whole mm. thing. <laughs> And they were miserable. And that was the thing that was wrong with their business is that all the success in the world couldn't buy them happiness. And they had gotten to this place. They were like, is this it? And so that's when I became a bliss coach is I started to take the tools that I had learned through my own life and also through my coach, through my own coaching, my personal coaching and through my coach to now help other people that were what society sees as really successful and started to the, to train them on how to find happiness beyond the circumstance, which Mm -hmm. is what I, so that's, it was a huge transition. It completely changed my life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think, well, gosh, what could I have done in those 10 years if I wasn't a cripple? But who would I be if I hadn't been a cripple? I certainly wouldn't be in this life. Right? So, so, yes, it was horrible, but I'm grateful for it. And again, that has to do with you know having a gratitude practice and really understanding that i I love my life and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of those things that I went through, right?
0: So, um, could you please share with us a couple of stories um with clients that you were working with, and um, maybe share with us like what are the common issues? And, uh, questions that people are having when they contact you or get in touch with you.
1: Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to focus on real estate in this one. Um, I had one particular client, she, um, I met her, I was speaking at a corporation and I met her that day and she came to me afterwards and she said, you know, I have an eight year old child and I I'm not sure how I'm going to put in through college. She had her her college fund for him. She had her stock. She had all of these things. But she realized it wasn't happening fast enough. And now she had 10 years to put her child through college. And so she joined my course. And it was just a two-day workshop. And then she, within four months, had bought her first property, so that was three years ago. This is really cool, right? She bought her first property. It's been three years. Now she has enough money to pay in equity in the property to pay for two years of his college. So that's the higher level of the story.
0: But- and, and by the way, where you at this point um, doing those consultations like face to face or whether like uh, over seminars uh, across the U.S.? or. It
1: was all virtual summits or mm, some okay. So okay. I did I did a mastermind that was all virtuals on Zoom or Skype, you know, whatever uh-huh. it was. Um so we could see each other and that sort of thing, but we had group meetings and I had some individual meetings with each of the members.
0: Oh, okay. Got it.
1: And the thing that would come up for people the most is and
0: and, and, and where um zoom meetings <laughs> actually is thing like ten years ago or something.
1: It was, um, I would say it was five years ago and yes, Ah, I was kind of a, yeah. So, but I was kind of a trendsetter with that, you know, (laughs) like most people weren't doing that. But, um, but this is another one of those things is I needed to design the business that, so it was conducive for my happiness too. Right. And I didn't want to be traveling away from my husband and my little puppy. I wanted to be home. My parents are aging. I wanted to be home for them. So for me, I needed to design my coursework so that I could help people in the world but also meet my own needs and this is this is the thing that people would ask all the time mm. Monica how can you be so happy
0: <laughs>
1: how do you design a life that you love mm. and so through the coursework yes it's really about real estate right but one thing people learn is starting a business is the most powerful self-improvement program in the world. Because <laughs> you discover all your failings, you discover all yeah. the things you don't know how to do. You right? You discover how hard things can be and how you react. You discover your character, your power, your tenacity, you discover all of those things about yourself.
0: True. And so,
1: <laughs> right? Right?
0: Yeah, and yeah, through totally. Through that
1: process, I was able to give them all of those tools that I had discovered on how I made executives, how I turned their lives around so that they were more blissful, more motivated, more excited about life, and that then my people could bring that into their own businesses. Mm. And again, it just came down down to how do you want to design your life? What are your resources? What are your goals? What are your passions? Mm.
0: So could you please share with us your approach to that? Like, um, How does one design their quote-unquote life? And um, in a way that they don't have so much stress and anxiety and all those emotions that people don't want to have in their lives.
1: Right. So those emotions are very, very natural. So the very first thing, we'll, we'll come back to how you, do, you design your life. But I just yeah. want to say really quickly that understand that emotions are, are very natural things. They're there given to us by God to provide a reference point for us on what's going on in our life. So don't ever push your emotions behind be, uh, aside.
0: Mm-hmm. Make
1: sure that you honor them, you look at them, you give them respect, and then you take the steps that you need to pull to take the lesson and then pull yourself out of it, right? So in my book I have like 13 different tools on how you pull yourself out of it, but that's the very first thing to say that I want to say. Um How do you design a life that's blissful? It starts with your core values. I think people build a life based on what other people tell them they should be doing or (laughs) what society tells them they should be doing or what they believe they should be doing based on what they've seen around them.
0: And I but, think this is the worst way to go about that. <laughs> and, right. And it's how
1: most of us live our lives. Yeah, almost, oh, right.
0: Everyone. Right? That, everyone. That's the
1: only reference everyone. point that we've got. Right. Oh,
0: I agree with that. <laughs> and,
1: so, so, and then what happens is these really successful people, like what happened with them, they had built these incredible businesses and they were miserable. Why? Because they weren't aligned with their own core values. They had built businesses based on what society expected mm. or their wives expected or whatever.
0: What everyone's got them is, is good for them, right?
1: Right. As opposed to what they truly believed they wanted in their life. So I'll give a really interesting example of one of my clients. Um, I had a client, he, I, my, the very first exercise I do, whether it's in real estate or as bl- a bliss coach or anything, is we go through someone's values. And it's so funny because people always look at me like I'm paying you to do what, you know, like my values, I know what my values are, you know? Um, and so they're always annoyed when they start, <laughs> it's really, really funny. But the thing is true. What's true is that people don't know their values. They get yeah. kind of glazed over and they'll say things like, oh, god family work right because those are the values that we're supposed to have and so they'll say they'll kind of throw those out of me and now let's move on to the next piece of of the next conversation and um and that is almost never what their actual lineup of values are but they don't really want to have the conversation so we dig deep and um Frequently, you will still get those in the top three or the top five, but they may not be in that order. And then, what's interesting is you have to see how they show up in your life. So, let me give you an example. Hmm. I had a gentleman who was a multimillionaire, his but his marriage was falling apart. And when I asked him what his values were, he said, "My values are my relationships. So, not just his marriage, but all of his relationships. My relationships." Um, learning, it was my relationships, learning, and growth. Those were his three, top three. And you want to know what your top five are. um, That'll be relevant in just a minute, but those were his top three. And so there was an event that happened um, just before he met me that his wife was in a horrible car accident and she was in the hospital and he got a phone call. and he had a business meeting that night with some VCs to grow this business. That was his passion. This was his, where he was doing all of his learning and his growth was in this business. Um, so he had a VC meeting and if he passed on the VC meeting, the business was going to come to a halt. Mm -hmm. But now his wife's in the hospital. So what do you think he did?
0: Went to the the VC meeting, probably. (laughs) That's right.
1: And why do you think that?
0: Because um, money was more important to them than the wife, obviously.
1: Okay. So, and that's what a lot of people think. And he felt really guilty about that because of that. Because he's like, if my wife is really my priority, why am I doing this? Like, He felt really, really guilty about it. But we broke it down. He said to me, when we finally got deep into the conversation, he said, listen, I run my own business. If I don't succeed, we have no medical coverage and my wife will not be well taken care of. It was an imperative that I got that money so that she did not end up completely crippled for the rest of her life. So in truth, like if you really look at it, His wife was his highest priority, but nobody in the world would ever see it that way based on the decision that he made. So it's not necessarily that you have to do different things, although he should have done something a little bit differently, which was to communicate with her what was going on. The reason they were falling apart is because he wasn't communicating with her that she was the highest priority and this is how he showed his love, right? So she just felt left. I mean, she was horrified that he didn't show up till after the meeting. Right. Um, but it was a communication gap. But the other thing that really healed that relationship is that we removed the guilt from him because once he could see that he was acting completely aligned with his, with his core values, he could remove the guilt. He could have a better conversation with her. He showed up with her. He took the rest of the week off from work. Right. Right. So he made different decisions and was able to make better decisions. If he was just wrapped up in his own guilt and the opinion of others, he would have continued to work. They would have continued to fight. She was under the hospital alone and their marriage would have fallen apart, right? Mm-hmm. But his whole purpose was to make sure that she was well-supported and well-taken care of. So mm-hmm. knowing our core values change everything and they help you to to really understand what's going on inside of you so you can make better choices that align with your values, Mm. but also to help you to really understand the decisions that you're making and relieve guilt so that you can then make even better decisions. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. And I think also um, that if you know your values, uh, they're also a great um, navigator in your own life. For instance, um, when I'm working with someone or I think about working with someone. Uh, one of my core values is, I. if I can't see myself working with somebody for life, I don't even want to work with them for a day. Because um, if you're working with someone for 10 days, you're like instructing them and going back and forth and investing a lot of time in them, and then they're gone. Like you've just wasted all your time. But um, if you're like working with someone for 10 years or two years, five years, and more, um, you get all the benefits of compound interest because this person knows who you are and what you're all about and knows um, what he needs to, to do uh, and so on and so forth. So I think um, they can be a- also a huge time saver and, um, yeah, a great navigator in life. So
1: Yeah, I spoke to somebody on my podcast once who called your values your true north.
0: Yeah that's a They're, good one right so you one. can
1: you can veer off a little yeah. bit here and a little bit there and but you want to stay moving on your compass towards your true north
0: exactly. and
1: it's hard sometimes sometimes and there's just sometimes, no
0: storm o- obviously obviously <laughs> i'm also doing like uh working s- short term with people like yeah. but um it's the heuristic like most of the time so um But yeah, I totally agree with that. And
1: Yeah, and it's not always easy. And especially in the beginning, when you're really focusing on your values, um, people start to think that you're selfish because you start to say no. You start to do things differently. People don't know what to expect from you. Mm. The thing is that the most important person who needs to know what to expect from you is you. Your integrity with yourself. Yeah. Is the single most important thing to creating, to designing a life of bliss, to living in bliss, and to having all of those things that you truly want. It's that integrity with yourself, and that starts with your core values.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I really love what you're saying. I, I agree with that. So um, could you please unpack that for our listeners a little bit? Because I think it's so important to understand. So,
1: Like how? What, what else uh, are you looking for here?
0: So so, um, could you please give us a few values in your own life that yeah. are very valuable for you personally?
1: Okay. Let me tell you how I sort of run my business and run my life. Mm-hmm. So my top values are my relationships, learning, um, growth, adventure, and joy. Those are my top five, okay? Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm making a decision, I put it through the i put it through my values test so for instance i started a podcast there was an there was a huge learning curve for me um i hate the sound of my own voice and so there was a lot of reasons to not do it there it was it's expensive um, That's,
0: by the way the, nothing wrong technology. with technology
1: yeah well, thank you <laughs> <laughs> but that was just my perception right
0: yeah um
1: but then when i looked at it i thought okay so If I start a podcast, is it going to grow my relationships? Well, I was going to start to meet really, really successful people that would help me, it would help to empower me to become the kind of person I want to be. So it was good for my relationships, um, for learning. Oh my God, there was a huge learning curve, of course, for my own personal growth. I was going to be talking to these people all the time and I was going to be able to personally grow, Um, adventure. It was a huge adventure because I didn't know what I was going to find on the other side and, and joy, Um, conversations, my relationships with people are the thing that bring me the most joy. And so having all these conversations and meeting these new people was going to be a thing that brought me a lot of joy. Now, here's the other thing with relationships. Was it going to, which is my first value, was it going to take away from my personal relationships and so my husband, my family, or was it going to support those relationships? Mm-hmm. If I had chosen after written my book, writing my book to be one of those writers that traveled around the country and spoke That would have damaged my relationship. But sitting at home, having a little studio at home, and I'm home every night when my husband comes home, that totally supports my relationship. And it gets my message out there Hmm. about bliss because I really wanted to help the world to experience, for people in the world to experience life blissfully, right? That was my mission. So running a podcast was probably one of the very best things I could do for my life right um, and so of course I started it on the cons on the other side the other part of that decision was should I become a, a speaker for the book and as I put it through the values I said no now did I still do it yes but it's not I might do you know I I would do for like six months and I'd be gone only one week in a month right but With the podcast, that's my constant. That's my way of getting my message out there constantly, right? So do you see how making those two decisions were based on what my values told me is going to be most important for me and most gratifying for me?
0: Mm, Yeah, and I think um, for everyone who is listening to this, I think um, you should really take your time to develop your own values. And um, you don't have be my values or monica's values i think think for yourself is probably here the best advice so um yeah
1: Yeah. and actually there are ways to to really dig deep um Mm. to find those values of course my book covers it it's called choose bliss it's available on amazon but um but my advice is just find a way to really dig deep and find what those values are. Mm. Um, And so some of those things are, some people, a big one that I hear all the time is freedom. Mm. Well, is it time freedom? Is it freedom from authority? Is it financial freedom? Is it relationship or emotional or mental Mm. freedom? What kind of freedom are you looking for? Because all of those show up differently in people's lives. People may say, I don't want to, I want freedom. I don't want to have a job. But then they start a business and that business owns them and now they're working 18 hours um, a a day, right? Yeah. And well, is that the freedom that they were going for? Maybe. Maybe that was freedom from authority, but then they lost any time freedom that they have, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're looking at your values, really dig deep into what each one of them means. If it's Mm -hmm. money, yes, money is a value, However, usually our values around money are what can money give us, which is usually freedom, time, freedom, emotional freedom. You don't like that, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll have your first five and then you want to dig deep in those. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it really? What is it really? What is it really? And keep digging until you think you can't dig anymore and reevaluate every single year because you may find something deeper.
0: Yeah, and I think what you've mentioned is uh, so important because, um, for instance, I also believe that a lot of people are always talking about like compromise on social media, and there's probably probably a. a Day in time for compromise, but I think um, your core values, you shouldn't, like, compromise on them. Like, I I don't want to compromise on my values. For instance, I was just thinking about, like, one core value of mine is if I know I can't be fully honest with someone around me, I don't want to spend my time with them because Mm -hmm. I don't want to, like um it say things that are politically correct or um try to dance around things and not really say what I f- feel like saying and um I, I don't want to spend time with those people. So um I don't want to compromise on that. Like I, I don't compromise on, on on this. So I th- it's also important to um know that you don't have to compromise on your core values. So
1: You don't have to compromise on your core values, and the biggest place where we tend to compromise are for money and for for love, right? Um, That's where we (laughs) tend, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) those are the places where we tend to do it. And one of the things that I have really found is if you do that, you end up miserable. You either end up in a relationship that's not right for you, or you're making money in a way that ends up bringing you a lot of unhappiness. So money we've already kind of talked about. I talked about with my, um, my values, but with relationships, here's the one thing that I want to say. Mm. It's a really, really good exercise. And and I know that this sounds hokey and it may sound hard. <laughs> But you do wanna get a feeling for someone's values. So when you're dating somebody, what are some of the questions you ask? Do you wanna have kids? Do you wanna get married? Where do you wanna live, right? You kind of get like an idea of who this person is. But the questions we don't ask is, what are your core values? And when we do, that person looks at you like, are you crazy? Like, what is that (laughs) question? I believe in (laughs) God's work, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So you really want to get to know it. And it's yeah. so interesting. My husband and I, we didn't do this before we got married. But when I started to discover this, um, we I actually had him go through the exercise with me. And our core values are not completely aligned. We have the same exact core values, but there, we have the same ones in the top 10. Mm. So we're not even the top three where everything is fully aligned. We have the same ones in the top 10 but that's at least really really good because in like all the things that we could be focusing on in the world our top 10 were aligned. So for me relationships was number 1, for him relationships was number 3. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so now if you look at that, you think that's not going to be a good match because Monica, you're going to feel neglected and he's going to feel like you're asking too much, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is that it was both in the top 3. And when you're in the top 3, That's still, there's not a lot of space in those top three usually. So you kind of want to find out where those are. The other thing is that, so because we were aligned, I felt like, okay, at least in the top 10, we're aligned. That's a relationship I'm willing to pursue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because we were headed towards getting married. So I wanted to make sure that that was, you know, actually, no, this was, this was a long time after. But what I'm saying is if you're headed towards getting married, you want to focus, want to at least know what that is. What's also really interesting is, so we had been married, I wouldn't say we were, had been married about five years. Now we've been married 25 years. And as you ask us about our values, our values are much more aligned. So for him, mm. relationship is number one. You know, again, now, so, and I'm not going to go through all of them for both of us, but things also, you don't compromise necessarily. I mean, of course there's compromise in life. Yeah. You're not compromise your core values in this case we are growing our values together Mm. right and we're supporting the relationship through that so don't what i'm trying to say in relationship is Mm. don't pursue someone who has values that are the opposite of yours for sure
0: fantastic advice
1: Right but way, if it's yeah that's, <laughs> um, but at least make sure that your top ten, like your top three
0: yeah.
1: are somewhere in his top ten, so that you can yeah. find a place where that's going to match up, because that's going to be an imperative if you want to be with someone long term and be happy. you still want to be madly in love after twenty five years, make sure that your values are well aligned
0: and 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 I have to mention that um. If you compromise on the things that are really important for you personally, um, you have to know the consequences. Like you will be fighting all the time with your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend because yeah. they uh, may be like valuing party t- uh, partying way more than you. And Mm -hmm. they're, like, partying all the time. And you you don't like to party. So you will be always fighting about those stupid things. And I think um, most relationships, it's not really about, like, techniques or tricks and hacks. Like, the foundation is just uh, terrible. Like, um, there are a few, like, core things that just don't work out. And you can't change them. Like, if someone is this way or that, maybe you can change a few things. But, like when the when when it's broken at the foundation i think it's just the wrong person so
1: I'm with you on that. The foundation is the biggest part. Um, and that's yeah. why we're talking about values, right? Um, but it is interesting what you said about maybe they want their, they want to party all the time. So their core value is lots of people in their life. Lots of people, lots of adrenaline, lots of excitement, right? Um, and your value may be one relationship, right? So still, relationships are important to both of you, but it shows up differently. What's yeah. interesting is so much of the time, and I know you probably agree with me on this, is that we look at like, because I'm a little bit more of an intro- introvert, me too. Um and my husband is partying <laughs> yeah, I I'm, i don't hate it, but I'm sort of like, uh, I can do it like once a year. Like, that's yeah,
0: yeah, do, right? exactly. Right? So, um, <laughs> once so my a year to party again.
1: like every week, you know. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, so, and, and it was interesting because I was really attracted to him for that because I wanted to learn how that works. Hmm. And then literally within a couple of years, that was driving me absolutely crazy. He didn't want time with me, wanted time with me with everybody else. And I'm like, hello, I need some time for me. So he compromised. We started to get date night put into our relationships and stuff like that. And so we came together a little bit on that. And then I wasn't I wasn't um, imposed upon to go on those parties. So he would go when he wanted to go and I didn't have to go if I didn't want to. Um, but then I would go about once a month, whatever. So, so yes, we did make compromises. But,
0: but not we, like you were partying <laughs> like twice a week or something.
1: No, that's right. That's right. right. Yeah. And my point about this is, Sometimes we're attracted to that thing because it's something that we want to be mm. and then that thing is the thing that breaks up the relationship because it's so different it's so yeah. it's so hard to live with. Mm. So when you're attracted to somebody who's like really vivacious and exciting mm-hmm. and dab- debonair, You know, because you're kind of shy and quiet, just understand that that's going to show up differently in a long term relationship. And just look at that. Is that okay? Is that something that you want to compromise for? Is that something that you want to learn? Right. Or is it not? Is it not a life? Maybe this is just a fun relationship. It's not a life relationship. Does that make sense?
0: totally. And I think there's also no right or wrong or something because society uh, wants to tell you your partner should be this, your partner should be that way. And I think there's no right or wrong. Like you have to know like with what kind of person you can stick with long term. Like I couldn't live with a girlfriend that is like partying all the time and like, having it's not my kind of lifestyle so it wouldn't work for me so um like my last girlfriend i was together my old friend i was together with her for five years and she was like very shy very introverted like yeah and we were getting along perfectly so um yeah yeah so you you really have to know like what kind of person you can stick with long term i think so and it also goes for friendship so
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, it's such an interesting thing. If you don't mind if I unpack a little bit more, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I first met my husband, he was, um, he was a partier. He drank a lot, um, which I didn't actually know when I first met him. But as I got, we were like eight year eight months into our relationship. I started to discover this stuff because we started living together mm. and, Um, and it wasn't that he was trying to hide it. It's just that I had a really busy life. So we weren't spending all of this time together for me to kind of see that stuff. And what was interesting is as I started to say, wait a minute, I don't want to be with someone that's out partying all the time and drinking. (laughs) Like he was like, what do you mean? That's how I've always been. Mm. And, and then the conversation became, is this how you've always been? Because it's what you've expected is expected of you. Or is this how you've always been? Because it truly makes you happy. And so he had to kind of unpack that for himself. By the
0: way, a very big and an important question, I would say. <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Right? Um, and as it turns out, it didn't particularly make him happy, but it made him socially comfortable. Okay, so then let's take a look at this. Is going out with me together with your friends able to make you as socially comfortable as going out with your friends and getting drunk? Mm. The answer to that was Yes. So when he's alone, he feels like he needs a drink so that he can be socially comfortable. But if he goes with me, then he's socially comfortable because we together can banter and we're together great out there, right? So so then we started to transition him from, not drinking now he doesn't drink at all um but it was just it was his crutch you yeah. know Sometimes, i mean we we love wine we love you know oh. he'll go out for a good beer it's not like he had an alcohol problem that's yeah, important to note right but it was really a it was a social crutch for him because for him he really wanted to be liked out there in the world um
0: so and just, i think go ahead
1: no, no, no. So just unpacking our motivations also for the things that we're doing on first sight, it could have been, and I've known guys where they d- just drink all the time. That was their way. And that those relationships ended because that wasn't the way that I was going to live my life. Right. But when we were able to unpack it with him and his sort, his thing was like, I just feel socially awkward without it. Well, yeah. what other things can we do? Right. Mm-hmm. That will help to, to, to make that better for you.
0: Yeah right. and, and and I think your your advice is beautiful because I think a lot of this behavior is like conditioned by society like mm-hmm. I also was when I was 17 18 19 I was always partying drinking and um yeah and doing all those different things and I just did them because I thought it was cool or That's yeah, right. because because I wanted to say something, okay, this happened on my weekend and that happened, instead mm-hmm. of like, Oh yeah, so you'd I was be more at home. Interesting. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But instead of saying like oh I was at home like playing video games and watching movies. <laughs> like this is like a very boring answer. So um So I think a lot of people are doing those things because um, society says it's cool, quote unquote, and um, they think it's cool. And to portray self-image and um, yet to make themselves, quote unquote, feel better instead of like really unpacking. Uh, and unpack the real motivations behind their actions like do you really want to do those things like if you really enjoy talking to people partying and drinking like go ahead that's wrong in my opinion unless you're right. like, you are drinking way too much or something but right. um yeah it's i but think and,
1: it's, the, and the reality yeah. about this is you will attract what you put out there totally. so if you're doing things because society expects you to be cool and so you're pretending to be cool right you're yeah. doing these things because you want to be cool now you attract a love idea. relationship right right you attract a love the relationship wrong,
0: i had the wrong friends like right. I'm, I'm not spending time with any of those people So <laughs> that's right you have the wrong
1: relationships because yeah. they expect that of you not who you are and yeah. then you also feel like a fraud eventually you get to the point where you're like i'm gonna get discovered i'm really not that cool that feels really uncomfortable too <laughs> Wouldn't you rather people just like you for who you are? If you're a uh-huh. dweeb that watches movies and plays video games, find somebody who enjoys doing that with you, um, right? Yeah. I mean, get some exercise. I just want to tell you, get some exercise. Uh, but-, <laughs> but all I'm saying is that if you're true to yourself, if you're not trying to be cool. Instead, you're trying to be in integrity with yourself. You're going to yeah. attract people that love that person not the person that you're pretending to be. And it living life that way is so much more blissful. And and Those what is relationships yeah. last much longer, right? And
0: and, and I uh, for me I always tend to think that like what is the alternative? Like trying to put an act on and attracting the wrong people in my life? Like what the hell? Like <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I want to be like uh, Hadi Havaland. I don't want to like portray a certain self image or act a certain way. Um, yeah, because I also think like, what's the use? Like, uh, for instance, if someone is uh, f- totally interested in soccer or football, like I could talk about soccer and football, but I'm not interested at all in those topics. So, Thank it, you. It, I'm it, the same, right? <laughs> it's just a huge waste of time for both of us. So why shouldn't I talk to people that are interested in the things that I'm interested in? Business, entrepreneurship, um, health, fitness, uh, spirituality, and all those different things. So Um, Yeah, I think it has like real consequences on how you are thinking about life and uh, what you are doing. And um, yeah, because I, for instance, when you are drinking and partying and playing beer pong and smoking pot, like people like me don't want to hang out with you. Like I don't want to spend time with you. Like that's right, because you're just (laughs) like no chance that I'm spending my time with you. So
1: right, and it's not a judgment for me because I'm a similar person. It's not a judgment. It's just that you're not interesting to me. Yeah. Like, and you can be interesting Feel to anybody. To you things. can do whatever yeah. you want, right? But you're just not interesting <laughs> to me. So yeah. I might hang out with you because you're in my circle, because you're a relative, whatever, right? Yeah. And you're not gonna be a person that I'm gonna seek out and want to spend a lot of time with because it's just not interesting <laughs> to me. They're not similar um interests, right?
0: Yeah. So um, Monica, at the end I always ask five questions, but um before I end. Ask- Five questions. What would you tell to our listeners at this point in our conversation?
1: Always remember that bliss is your birthright. Choose to live your bliss every single day because it is your choice.
0: (laughs) So um, where can people connect with you on the social webs, work with you and so on and so forth?
1: Yeah. So you can look me up on Facebook and Instagram. That's where I spend the most time at Monika Sawyer. So Monika is M-O-N-E-E-K-A Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R. And I know you'll see it when you know you see the graphic and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's Monika Sawyer on Facebook and on Instagram. You can also look me up on LinkedIn. And then my website is blissfulinvestor.com. So that's mm-hmm. blissfulinvestor.com. And if you have any interest in real estate and how I did, how I took $10,000 to multiple millions, I've actually got a free download for people so they can get the whole story. You see how candid I am and transparent? I'm just as transparent on what I did. Just so you know, I bought a house at in 2001 and 2008 at the top of the market both times. So what did I do? Are you curious? Right, You can find that out in that report. So, um,
0: the first out of the five question is, uh, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life?
1: Yeah, the really old books. (laughs) I was thinking about this. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, By the way,
0: there's nothing wrong with old books. Like, I don't read new books, to be honest. (laughs) Right.
1: Well, it's so interesting, because now when I read those books, I'm like, oh, my gosh, these are so old school. But they changed everything for me. One of them was um, *Think and Grow Rich* mm. by Napoleon Hill. *How to Win Friends and Influence People* by Carnegie. Yeah. And by Dale Carnegie. By Dale Carnegie. Sorry about that. And then *The Power of Positive Thinking* um, by Norman Vincent Peale. Those are the three that started me on my journey to where I am today. Most recently, my favorite business book is *The One Thing* by Gary mm. Keller. So, those. So I gave you four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So the uh, so third question is, um, what, is uh, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most?
1: Yeah. Again, they're old. So, and I just did one. I saw Gone with the Wind last night. As mm-hmm. I said goodbye to 2019, it's Gone with the Wind. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so Gone with the Wind is one. Um, it's just so interesting to watch. You know, because all of us are somewhere between Melanie and Scarlett. And, like, what are those things that we value? Again, it was a really good exercise in values. Um, so I loved I loved that. Um, and then Dirty Dancing. I've been a dancer mm. since I was three. So that's one of my all-time favorite movies.
0: Since the last uh, podcast guest <laughs> also mentioned Dirty Dancing. So it's funny. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love that movie. Um, and I don't know on the third. Those are the two that I would say just... I just could watch them over and over and over again. I'm sure there are others, but I haven't I didn't have enough time to think about that. So
0: So, um, the third question is, uh, what is the most useful product or service that you have born in recent memory?
1: Um, My mentor. Hmm. I think that mentorship is the key to success and each each mentor that I have had, you have to find a mentor that's aligned with your values and gets you. So not all of them are awesome, but my most recent coach and mentor um, is probably the, big, the best way that I've spent my money.
0: So the fourth thing is, uh, what are the most important realizations you've had in the last couple of years? And some guests have shared something deeply personal about their career, family life, relationships, uh, time. So speak to anything you feel comfortable sharing with us today. Yeah. Most important realizations.
1: So I turned 50 this last year. Um, and it was as if a light switch had, had, cha- had like switched for me. Um, in some ways, it was so scary. Like, where the heck did my life go? And then on other ways, it was like, oh my God, next chapter. And like, look at how much I know, right? So there was good and bad, right? Um, But the thing that I realized is I really am responsible for my life. Like, I've always known this, but it really hit me hard when I turned 50 that every single thing that I do is my responsibility. Now, so there are things like, I want to retire at 55, I've always wanted to retire kind of young, not super young, but young what's. And as I, as I looked at things, so my talking about the book, my podcast, those sorts of things, that's really my heart work. Mm. And I want to continue to be able to do my heart work without worrying too much about the financial piece. So for me, that's what retirement looks like, right? Well, interestingly, I've been doing that for the last 3 years. So, the in- incredible realization is, oh, I am retired. Like, I made it. Yeah. What's next? Like, I don't have to keep on this path and keep chasing that. Now it's what's the next adventure for the second part of second half of my life. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. <laughs> So, um, the last question for the day is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self?
1: Invest much more in real estate. Buy more.
0: Because
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> time is, is the one thing that you can't replace. So, if I had bought more real estate when I was 20, I would have been able to do my heart work in the world so much earlier.
0: Mm. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, for for that. For uh, yeah, you have a great energy. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Hardy. This was really fun. Thank you.
0: <laughs> have a good day. Me too. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out.